Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Hey friends, we are back at it with the third episode in our series, Keeping It Local, Leaning Into Discipleship in Your Local Context. If you're just tuning in, the idea behind this series is to encourage us all to seek out discipleship and learning with women that we can spend time with face to face. Last week, we chatted with Dory Williman, my pastor's wife, and today we're talking to the gal who she has been discipling for the past 24 years, her daughter, Katie. The insight that Katie Gilbert shares on how we pour into one another in the context of community is gold. I mean, she's only 23, but Katie was discipling this almost 32-year-old for pretty much the entire conversation. I was so challenged by her humility and her desire to be mentored by women in her local context, and I know you guys are going to love her as much as I did. Now, on to my conversation about discipleship and community with Katie Gilbert. Katie, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thank you, Hunter. It's great to be here. I am excited to sit and have a chance just to get to know you a little bit better. You just told me you're one of the founding members of the church that we have become members of here in Hanover, New Hampshire, and that's been such a gift to us. And one of the things that I have heard from other women at Christ Redeemer Church about you in particular is what a love you have for God's word and what a way you have of communicating that with other women. So super excited to get to learn from you today, uh, specifically about what it's like to be a younger woman, because... I don't know how much younger you are than I am, but I feel pretty young and I'm pretty sure you're younger than me just based on like our life season and things like that. Am I right? I'm 23 years old. How am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm feeling my age. I'm only 31, but I still feel like a young woman and I'm still facing this conundrum and I always will be, God willing, on this side of heaven, like seeking to submit myself to older women in the local church context with the hope of learning from them. So I'm really excited to get to talk to you about that today. But before we go there, I would love for the listeners just to get to hear a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Uh, My name is Katie and I am 23 years old. Um, I'm currently living and working in Hanover, New Hampshire. I work at the Art Museum at Dartmouth College. And Hunter, as you mentioned, this is home to me. Thank you for giving me credit for being a founding member of Christ Redeemer Church. I really was four years old when that happened, so I (laughs) truly cannot actually take credit, but thank you. This is home to me. I've returned home since being at college, um, at Gordon College, 
I graduated in 2018. What did you study? I did biblical studies, history, and a concentration in museum studies. Oh, see, I need to be discipled by you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've just been so blessed by getting to know your family and getting to spend time with your mom. You've obviously spent time with her for the last 23 (laughs) years plus. So I'm so intrigued. What role has discipleship played in your own personal walk with the Lord? You know, I would say besides the gospel reality itself of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us, discipleship has really been the other foundational aspect of uh, my walk with the Lord. Just the entire process of sanctification, of growing, has really for me been worked out in those relationships, in those relationships from people who I've either had the privilege of being mentored by or people that I was in the context where I was walking alongside and mentoring them. Almost everything about where my walk with the Lord is today and truly where it's heading and obviously where really tracking where it has been and how much um, God has changed me and the spirit has continued to work in me is is really because of those discipleship relationships that I've had the chance to have over the years. So you grew up a pastor's kid, obviously. There's a lot of people (laughs) around who love Jesus. When did you start to recognize the importance of learning from older women in the faith? And maybe when was that first a part of your experience? You know, that's a great question, but particularly a hard question for me because, and this is really a testament to who my parents are in their ministry, is that I, I don't even remember. I can't even look back in my life and pinpoint a moment where the concept of discipleship was transformative or profound to me because it was just so much a part of who my family was, who my parents were, and how relationships in the church were modeled to me. Discipleship was almost the expectation, if you will, of what it meant to be living in community in the local church. Um, it was to be part of the discipleship process, like the reciprocal relationship of allowing older, more experienced, faithful lovers of Christ to be speaking truth into my life. And for me to at the same time be living and serving um, and doing likewise to the people around me. Mm, I'd love that that was working itself out in the context of the community that you guys were really cultivating in your own house, right? Did you start like in your own living room? It was in our living room. I remember, you know, junior church was in my basement with all my toys. Bless <laughs> sanctification at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> but also church was like just very synonymous with a play date where we also got to sing hymns. My girls would love that. Yes. Oh, uh, well, I love that that was such a part of the fabric of your upbringing I feel like it's an appropriate question to ask you because you have been mentored so much, which is such a gift. And again, such an anomaly for a lot of the listeners who really yearn for that in their life. So what type of thing are you looking for in a woman who you're seeking to submit yourself to in the context of a discipleship relationship? Like what would that woman look like? There's many things to look for in an older woman of faith, um, somebody as a role model. Obviously, you seek somebody who has wisdom, who has evidence in their life of a faithful walk with the Lord. But 
I have also found that discipleship, at least in my life, has not always been that one singular, you know, golden match person where you know, we're meeting weekly for coffee or something like that. It's really been far more of a community process where I've had several people speaking into my life at once. Um, And I have had seasons where I had one person who is influencing my life far more and above other people, which I would maybe define more as the seasons of mentorship. But the idea of discipleship is happening as almost communal sanctification, Um, you know, the living together, living closely together, knowing each other, knowing each other's struggles and each other's stories and being vulnerable and willing to just speak the gospel into each other's lives Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. When I look for somebody to be speaking into my life, I'm looking for somebody who is patient painfully aware of the patience it takes to to sit down and talk to a 20-something year old and watch them just figure out life and I'm sure it is not um not an easy process to just sit patiently and kindly and listen though always very grateful for anyone who does that for me and somebody who's who just is so grounded in scripture where they're constantly, you know, pointing me back to the word, pointing me back to the gospel, pointing me back to the cross. And, you know, whatever you're talking about, whatever topic, whatever, you know, life circumstance you're, you're talking through and seeking wisdom on, willing to point you back to the cross. And another thing in the midst of that that I find really helpful is to seek somebody who will not only ask questions of you, who will not only challenge you in your life, but is also willing to ask questions alongside of you, who's open and honest about their life and their struggles, their doubts, their fears, their troubles, and who are willing to just open scripture and wrestle with it and to look at life and experience life and wrestle with it. But in the midst of that, to continue to walk faithfully and walk in trust. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think some of the most potent discipleship relationships that I've had are where a woman's like telling me, these are the struggles that I'm having right now with anxiety. These are the struggles that I'm experiencing walking through life with depression. This is what I'm facing in my marriage. Like these are the hardships that I'm navigating with my children. And the way that that served me is as I come up against hard things in my life, I remember the way in which they look to Jesus as their hope. And I don't think I'm crazy because I'm experiencing <laughs> this hard thing. I remember the way they look to the Lord in faith. And that is such an encouragement. And sometimes I think we downplay how much life experience just in that capacity has to offer older women speaking into younger women's lives. So how do you go about initiating this kind of relationship with a woman. I'm walking through this right now (laughs) because we've just moved. We've moved a lot. I talk about it all the time. And so every time we move, I'm looking for new people to be speaking into my life. What does the process look like for you? The process for me, I would say first and foremost, is really to insert yourself in community. To one, connect with the local church. I think you know, the local church is the example that God has given us in his word for where ministry happens, where life happens together, where God is glorified in your immediate context. And um, so just to insert yourself in community and no matter how uncomfortable 
we might feel in those moments of like, I feel so awkward or I don't know these people. I'm just getting to know these people or I'm afraid of people seeing who I truly am. I'm afraid Mm. of being vulnerable. It's that humility, that obedience and that willingness to submit yourself to that community, to that local church or local group of believers and allowing yourself to belong to them. And then more specifically, it can look like any way you start a relationship or friendship with anyone. And I know that that sounds far too simplistic for the anxieties and fears that often go along with initiating a new friendship. But it's really just having the humility and the awareness of we need each other. Yes. I need you. You need me. And and that willingness to just submit to that aspect of living in community and living alongside other people. So my encouragement would really be to just be a full participant of your local community, of your local church. That is such a great answer. You're reminding me of one of the Bonhoeffer quotes that I love. You've probably heard it, life together under the word of God. Mm-hmm. Like you're describing it so perfectly. And for me, I've also found it helpful just to give people permission to also say, as we're going about life together, as we're submitting ourselves to the word of God, as we're seeking to live in greater intimacy with the goal of better representing the unity in the body of Christ, could you just tell me when I'm walking out of line, like if I'm an arm acting like a leg or if I'm doing something weird, could you just, I want to give you the freedom to vocalize that. Of course, I don't use such Christianese in these types of conversations, but it might look like this. It might look like me saying, and actually I just said this to a lady who's in our church. I told her, I said, I really enjoy spending time with you and I can see that I have a lot to learn from you. I just want you to know if there's anything you see in my life, if you have anything that you'd like to just share with me, either about your walk with the Lord or if you see anything in mine that you think might necessitate like further exploration, like I welcome you to speak into my life. As you prepare for the summer, we want to share a unique way to introduce your non-believing friends to a local church, Skylark. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you need to know about Skylark Summer Camp for your kids or as a means to supplement evangelism. Skylark partners with gospel-centric churches to provide summer camps as a means of childcare. By meeting parents' needs for summer childcare for kids having completed kindergarten through fifth grade, Skylark positions the local church to meet the spiritual needs of their community. They offer gospel-rich curriculum that is new each day of their summer camp. Kids can attend for one week, a few weeks, or all 11 weeks. Choose from one of their four locations offering a full summer program in Dallas, Plano, Allen, and Mansfield. The cost is $325 a week, but you can use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off every single week. What? Head on over to CampSkylark.com to learn more. That's C-A-M-P-S-K-Y-L-A-R-K dot com and use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off. So I think a lot of times we are desiring older women to speak into our lives and we forget that maybe the older woman might need a little bit of encouragement to do that. Under what you're saying is just making me think of a couple things. One is just the beauty of the the unity we have 
in Christ. Perhaps a false expectation we attach to something like discipleship or even mentorship is that the person speaking into your life has to meet certain qualifications. Or on the flip side, I can't be a discipleship maker unless I meet these qualifications. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There are certain ways to be wise and discerning when when engaging in that um, relationship with other people. But at the same time, we just so need each other. And part of it, I feel, might be just an acknowledgement of Christ in the other people around you. So even people who think differently than you, who believe different things than you, who look differently, who live differently all those things that create this diverse and wonderful and strong body of Christ are the things we need other people to be speaking into our lives because you might be experiencing something or hearing something or learning something from the spirit in a way that just me as a unique individual doesn't doesn't see it that way like I I need you to share because that's how we're experiencing Christ together and I see that in you and that's just a beautiful part of discipleship is just an acknowledgement of the work God is doing in other people even if it's somebody who's not by age older than you or by age younger than you he doesn't need to be in those defined terms when you're living community when you're living in the church and submitting yourself to that I feel like it can come at you at all different angles like yeah it's just I picture it almost as a diagram of a person with, you know, arrows going out, love and truth and grace going out and that same thing coming in from all from all different sides and from all around. And that's what it means to live in community. I completely agree with that. And I think a lot of the people that I say have like mentored and discipled me, they would be like, really? Like they didn't know it. And it's just because they were living their life on mission for the gospel and seeking to be obedient, love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I was benefiting from watching them live that out. So I completely agree. Why should we seek to make disciples and to engage in that kind of intimate exchange that you just described where we're really sharing life with each other as we're being discipled by the community of people around us that's just the functionality of the gospel the gospel is just this outpouring um, of god's love and god's work and it's always flowing towards you know as the gospel transforms you and transforms your heart is flowing out out towards people. Um, so one, I just think that that is the function of a transformed heart um, and of a transforming heart because it's a process. <laughs> and as somebody who wants to grow in Christ, to remove yourself from either end of being a discipleship maker or a disciple is to not grow in Christ. And you don't get to exclude or excuse yourself from either end of that responsibility, from either end of that call when you are living in community. So it truly is a kind of, we've been saying that reciprocal, organic relationship. It takes work and it can be difficult to initiate and get to that point. But when you're not focused on, you know, these expectations of finding that one perfect match person who's going to be there or who's going to be your one perfect mentor from beginning Mm -hmm. to end when you're allowing yourself to really just be blessed by where God has placed you and the people God has placed around you I feel that you are able to engage more fully 
in the call of discipleship making and of being discipled. I completely agree because I can look back on a less mature hunter who is your age, actually a lot less mature than you are. <laughs> Let me tell you, but I was yearning for what I had experienced in college. And that was a lot of face-to-face chatting over coffee. I mean, my mentors in college were the bomb and yet that wasn't super transferable into the context of everyday life. When people are working, people have kids, all of that. What limitations should we be aware of both in ourselves and in the people that are around us and just even in the stage of life that people are in, all of this? Like, what should we be aware of as we are seeking to develop these kind of relationships? Like you mentioned, we can't come to the table literally with the expectation of sitting and expositing the word for hours on end if you're in a season of life like mine where I have three kids, five and under. So what should we be aware of? I think it's critical to first acknowledge the humanness within discipleship, within real authentic discipleship relationship. It's messy because we're humans and this is life. And it's not about perfection. It's, you know, working out our salvation together. It's it's work. It's vulnerable. It's scary. It's it's hard. It can be uncomfortable, um, but it's beautiful and life-giving and where we see the spirit in at work in our midst. And I think, you know, in that, in acknowledging that we are human, it is truly important to just acknowledge our limitations as humans. Um, one of my best friends in college used to say to me all the time, it is cool to know thyself, which what started as this silly phrase became really the cornerstone of of what we were learning in that season of our lives is is it's okay to know yourself to know your limitations to know your strengths to know your weaknesses to know your triggers to know your needs and to be human in the midst of engaging in those discipleship relationships to be discipling someone and this sounds silly but this is me really speaking to myself and speaking to myself even just a few years ago, a few months ago, to as you're engaging with people you're discipling to say, I'm so sorry, I I don't feel well right now. Today's not a good day to hang out. Today's not a good day to meet up or get coffee or go on a walk or for me to just come over and watch TV with you. Mm -hmm. Today's not a good day because I'm a human and I'm sick today. And I don't know why that, or I find in my life, it was such a hard thing to get over in the midst of being a human. And I think that goes, I hear a lot of people and a lot of my friends saying things um, like, I can't do that because I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. I can't just sit down and have coffee with one person. I need a house full of people. And those are beautiful and wonderful ways that God has designed us uniquely. Those are strengths that we can use because discipleship And those mentorship relationships don't have to, they're not a uniform Mm -hmm. relationship. They're a relationship. So almost in like a relationship 101 sort of sense, it's about communication and it's about grace and it's about love. It's not about creating this perfect Instagrammable moment of, you know, sitting across the table at a coffee shop. It might look like that for you, but it might also look something completely different. 
And so to know yourself and how you function, what makes you tick, I think actually helps you be a good disciple maker and also allows you to be a good disciple because you can further advocate for yourself and express that to other people as you need. I feel like there's also, when it comes to discipleship, there's almost this spectrum. And on one end, there's, you know, the responding to the the call of discipleship, what, what has been laid out in scripture and practice in the local church um, to go forth and make disciples. It's one of the last things Jesus said to his followers while he was on earth. There's a spectrum of on one side, like inaction, either out of fear of vulnerability, um, intimidation of that idea of perfection, like it needs to look a certain way or be a certain way, um, or I'm not good enough, I can't do that, or inaction out of choosing not to participate in that responsibility. Um, But on the other end of the spectrum, there is an overcommitment. There's a potential for overcommitment. And I think when we're talking about knowing your limitations, I think it's important to frame it, one, on the end, the end of the spectrum that's in action, out of fear, out of laziness, that it's not about being perfect. It's about living together in community. And on the overcommitment side, we need to be really clear in our mind that we are not that person's savior mm-hmm. or our mentor is not our savior. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that leads into very dangerous territory very quickly um, when we feel that we are somebody's savior because God is the one who changes hearts and we are here to be faithful and to love each other and to walk faithfully with each other as we're experiencing life. We need to be really clear in our minds that we don't have to fix that person. We don't have to change that person's mind and we cannot be their be all end all. And on the other end of that, as a disciple, your mentor is not your savior because your mentor is a human and will mess up Mm -hmm. and probably disappoint you Mm -hmm. in potentially major ways. It's important to have that perspective established as you're moving into these relationships and as you're participating in them, because when those moments come where they've disappointed you, um, when they haven't been available, when maybe the dynamic changes a little bit because they, I don't know, have a kid or are going through a hard season or are experiencing a really busy time at work. When something in that dynamic changes and all of a sudden it's not meeting your expectations, there's a huge temptation to just write off discipleship or write off the local church rather than being willing to acknowledge the fact that we're all human and we're all in need of grace and we're all in need of our true savior, which is only found in Jesus Christ. I think that's also the beauty of doing exactly what we've been talking about this entire time, discipleship in the context of community, because then like when one of the mentors is feeling weak, if you will, or somebody who you're learning from isn't able to come alongside you in the season that you're in to the degree that you need them to, there's other people to like step in there. And I think too, that keeps us like in check with one another when the relationship is trending towards, like you said, kind of the overcommitted disciple maker or the overcommitted uh, discipleship relationship. Um, when we're doing those things in the context of community, the beauty is that we can come alongside each other and vocalize that to one another. What kind of safeguard would you set up just in the vein of like discernment when 
you're seeking to learn, like you said, just from your community, from who the Lord has placed you around. How do you kind of filter? Like if someone's coming to you and saying something to you, how do you filter whether or not that's true? And I would say particularly for young women who maybe don't feel like they have a firm grasp of scripture yet and who really want to find a mentor because they want women to be teaching them. So how do you develop kind of a discernment filter for what you're intaking in regard to discipleship? I think it has to begin with scripture and God has graciously given us his word um, for us to know him. And as we're seeking to know him, I think some of those those wisdoms are drawn out, the truth of the gospel. And I think as you're discerning potentially someone to be a mentor or to speak truth in your life, it is critical that that, por- that person is always pointing you back to Christ, mm-hmm. is always pointing you back to the cross, is always challenging you to be deeper into the word. And I think that just by nature of what it means to speak the gospel to each other and what it means to encourage other people to be in the word end up just naturally flushing out some people who would not be good fits or would not be good mentors. I do have to (laughs) make totally shameless and very serious plug for teachers who just are not only knowledgeable about scripture, but know how to read scripture to know how to do exegesis. That meaning understanding the cultural context, understanding the historical context, understanding that in light of the whole canon of scripture, as well as good hermeneutics, which is just the art of interpretation. And you really can't be reading and interpreting scripture without also seeking to understand the historical context that um, that these texts were written in. I think that's really helpful. And I also think that people are listening who are young women, like even myself thinking, man, I want to be that kind of woman. Man, I want to be able to be a faithful steward of God's word. I want to be like the woman in Titus 2 that you see who has sound doctrine that's able to teach younger women the word faithfully. So how do we seek to become the type of woman who we yearn to learn from in our own life? what we were talking about is invest in yourself, invest in your knowledge of scripture, invest in your knowledge and experience of who God is. That will serve you richly in every area of your life. Forget discipleship, but like every part of your life will be served richly by just beholding and standing in awe of who God, our father, God, their creator is. And as we dig into the word. God has promised that he will continue the work in us through his spirit and our hearts will be transformed. And the spirit is so faithful to bring that into fruition. So don't forget to invest in yourself. It's discipline. I think we forget that often. Like that doesn't just magically happen. Mm-hmm. It's an investment. It's time and energy you put towards that. So whether that's enrolling in a Bible course or a seminary course or reading and studying. Reading your Bible devotionally is so significant and important, but I think in light of that, we also forget that um, scripture exhorts us to to study, to wrestle, 
um, with God through engaging in scripture and through engaging in the study of scripture because there's some tough stuff in the Bible and there's some tough things that we have to swallow. I mean, even just to speak very personally and very vulnerably, like just the whole idea of grace to me, it's so what I desperately need, but it also makes no sense to me. And I wrestle with that and I wrestle with that before the Lord and as I'm studying scripture and watching how grace and mercy is just of who God's nature is all the way from the very beginning in Genesis where Adam and Eve have sinned and God who cannot be in the presence of sin has to cast them out of the garden. But his first action towards them is mercy. He clothes them, which is a beautiful picture of familial inheritance in the ancient Near East culture. It's like God's first act is mercy. God's first act is grace towards his people. And I wrestle with that and I wrestle with that in scripture and it's hard work, but it's so rewarding. And I think as we seek to become people who are, as it's explained in Titus, are sound in doctrine, faithful and experienced in who God is, um, that that's so much of where it comes from is really just digging into the word and practicing the art of beholding God. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, just really on a practical level, as we think about that is to practice taking the first step in relationships. And again, this feels really basic and I know how hard and difficult and uncomfortable it can be. But I feel like me and I don't know, maybe my generation or at least the friends and people I'm interacting with, we need to exercise the muscle of hospitality towards each other, towards the people around us and become comfortable in making that first initiating step towards another because that's what it means to be a friend. That's what it means to become friends with somebody. Somebody has to make the first move. And I think it's truly an exercise. It's a muscle. It's not something that comes naturally to us, but it over time can become a habit of this is just how I live and I interact with people. And that's how I participate in welcoming people into my local church community. That's how I engage in being a disciple or being a discipleship maker is just inviting people into my life. Hunter, as you were saying, just that invitation to have the women around you speak truth into your life. We have to kind of begin now to practice that and to make that a habit and make that a reflex when you meet someone because I don't think it naturally is and it's work. Yeah, absolutely. I love those admonitions and I'm really encouraged myself. I just want to go get in my Bible, which is a great Journey Women episode. So tell me, what could you say if you were sitting across from some of the older women, maybe in our church or maybe in, you know, another church? Thank you for listening to me. (laughs) Um, One thing I think I would say to them and particularly to the women in my life have already welcomed me into that space to be a disciple of them, to be walking alongside them. It's just a true and genuine thank you for letting me into your mess. This is not an uncommon thought, maybe for people my age, maybe for anxious and insecure people like myself, but I just have this like this gnawing fear that in 10 years, I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be 
perfect. Like I'm not going to have a perfect clean home. I'm not going to have a perfect career. I'm not going to have name anything, anything silly. Like I'm not going to make the perfect chocolate chip cookies, (laughs) like anything that I'm just not, like I'm not going to be perfect enough. I'm not going to be good enough. And I've just watched the women, particularly the older women in my life, just be so faithful to welcome me into their mess, to have me over to their house when it's not clean, to allow me to come sit and fold laundry with them. And that to me has just been the greatest encouragement and the deepest blessing. These are women who I love. Like I adore these people. They feel like family to me. And I have such respect for their walk with the Lord. They're my role models. Um, Our church does, you know, small group community groups. And every week after being welcomed and invited into various people's homes, I'm just so, it gives me such hope and such peace that God is faithful and that perfection is not a prerequisite for the gospel. And that I myself, who always needs to grow in wisdom and always needs to grow in faithfulness, can be a full participant in the body of Christ like it just totally shatters my fears of perfection and my fears of being inadequate. And so I would just, I would first say thank you for sharing your lives with me in ways that probably were not fun or really uncomfortable at times. Um, And I also would just encourage older women who might not be doing that or who might be just so fearful of allowing people in to see their mess to take that risk, that's not something we're telling each other is that we're broken and messy people, but that God is God is faithful in the midst of that. And there's just a lot of joy to be had. We just, we got to go for it. Oh, yes, that is everything. And I'm really encouraged genuinely to just welcome younger women into my space because It does feel quite vulnerable. I think the older I get, which I'm sounding like a granny today, but, um, (laughs) you know, you don't feel like as cool as you once were. And I have benefited from welcoming uh, people into those spaces where it feels really chaotic and you feel really out of control, which I think for women who are older, I'm speaking as a younger, older woman, uh, that just doesn't necessarily always feel good um, because you don't really know what part of your life someone's going to witness and so that's a real encouragement to me that there's value in even that how have you seen yourself grow in your ability to make disciples truly just the study of scripture I was so fortunate in my life to have different people model that for me of what it meant to to not just read the Bible, to, but to cherish the word of God. And that's always just been a guidepost in my walk with the Lord. And so to just be a lover of God's word has been the biggest practice and the biggest tool and is totally by God's grace that I've had the opportunity to do so. And even to engage in intense study of the scripture is something that has truly been transformative in my own life and my own faith, but also in my willingness and ability to 
be a disciple, um, to be a, a participant in that process with other people because it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's your very life. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I identify with that so much. In fact, what are we doing? Why aren't we reading our Bibles I know, right yeah, now? Really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know a lot of ladies are listening to this question. They probably already have a lot of practical application points. I know I do personally. What is one question that you would encourage them to take to either someone who they're learning from or someone maybe who they're discipling that would help them maybe just grow in their relationship with one another and continue learning after this conversation? There's probably a lot of better answers and wiser questions to ask, but actually one of my most favorite questions is to ask someone in your life, would you teach me how to do this? Would you teach me how to do blank? And I found that that one is just a super easy and approachable icebreaker because as you're first meeting someone or as you've watched someone in your life and they're really, they have a talent, they're really good at something or they just have a hobby you're interested in. So something like, can you teach me how to make pie crust? Because that's something I cannot do and I don't think I will ever be able to do. (laughs) Or could you teach me how to train for a marathon? Could you teach me how to make a budget? You know, fill in the blank. Anything that's a skill or quality about them that you notice. And I think this question can be super versatile in the fact that you obviously can ask an older person in, in your community because they probably have a lot of practical wisdom and knowledge in some area to teach you. But I think you can also ask that to people that you are trying to disciple, because the truth is they have a lot to teach you as well. Mm-hmm. And that's just a f- another um, really beautiful way to engage in the unique ways that God has created them as a person. Um, you know, to say like, I see that you're really good at soccer I see you're really good at some art form. Could you teach me? Could you let me be a learner of you? Um, So I think in whichever way you take a question like that, it ends up being an opportunity for just further, deeper connection and understanding of the other people in your life. So it's not a question jam-packed with wisdom and you're not going to be like uncracking any codes or but I think that's, for me, that that question has opened doors that I never would have expected to be opened. Well, I'm going to take that question, and I have a lot to learn here in New England as a Texas <laughs> gal. I think it's going to serve me really well, and this conversation has just been such a gift to me personally. I know the listeners are going to feel the same. This is truly one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had on the podcast. So thank you. See, we have a lot to learn from the younger generation. It's been a joy to get to learn from you today. Thank you, Hunter. It's been a pleasure. So today, my dad, who just so happens to be the most faithful Journeywoman listener, shout out, called to inquire why we haven't been asking guests for resources at the end of each episode in this series like we normally do. If you've been wondering that too, it's because we want it to sink in that the best resource we have for discipleship is the local church. Full stop. 
press into community in your local context, ask questions and seek answers together in the word. And if you want to check out the resources that we have available to help you guys do that, hop over to our website at journeywomenpodcast.com and check out the show notes where we include discussion questions, noteworthy quotes, and more. You can also find us on socials at Journey Women Podcast, where we discuss what we've been mulling over after listening to this conversation throughout the week. This episode was edited by Christine Brandt. We are so grateful for her. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.